I want to pick up our reading uh, in Ephesians 1, uh, beginning at verse 15. The first part of this chapter had, deals with the blessings that God has given to us. And now we're going to get into a prayer that we'll be preaching on that has to do with asking the Spirit to bring these, these fabulous blessings to bear in our hearts, to know them and to be changed by them. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the, in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of God. You do not need to hang around Christian people very long before you will hear some say that they are somewhat frustrated in their reading of the Bible. Uh, Some become discouraged because it doesn't seem to make that much sense to them. Our quiet times, our times of reading the Bible, uh, certainly uh, are, are times that we are are called to that duty. It is something that we are to be disciplined to do. But why does it seem dry? Why is it dry? Even in the song that we were just singing a few moments ago, the Word of of God was described as a meal for people who are famished. It is described, we are to long for his word and desire it as you would having a pile of gold. We long for that word even as a newborn goes after his or her mother's milk. First Peter chapter 2. Eagerly. Slopping it up. That's the attitude, an attitude that we are to have as we look forward to times in God's word. Well, I think it is a discipline for us to read the Bible. But I think the discipline starts with reminding ourselves how good it tastes. How excellent it is. And how significant it is that God purposes not only to give us this word, but to live inside of us so that it makes sense to us and it fills our lives and our hearts with joy. We need the discipline to remember that the Word of God is better than all the junk food that we could 
we could fill ourselves with in this world. It is our calling. In fact, it is our outrageous privilege to know the indwelling of the Holy Spirit through the Word, to meet Him, to be refreshed by Him. As Jesus said, He dwells in you, and He will be with you, and that is how you'll know Him. And so this morning, we're thinking about how we deal with God's Word to get the most out of it. And it is a radical dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Don't take another step before we commit ourselves to dependence on the Holy Spirit that He would take the Word that He was written has written and He would bring it into our hearts. This is my plea to you today that you would determine to seek God personally. Not just check something off your list, but seek God personally and to pray for the Holy Spirit to teach you something fresh. I need new eyes to see it. Something fresh, something true. I don't want to go down a rabbit trail here. I want what is true. For the Holy Spirit to give you something fresh and true according to His intent, according to the purpose of that scripture, and according to your needs right now. Let me say that again. Let's get this. To pray that the Holy Spirit would teach you something fresh and true according to His intent for giving it and according to your needs right now. In simpler terms, my purpose is this. And my call is this, that you would ask the Spirit for more light just where you need it. Ask Him for more light through the Word just where you need it. I want to ask and answer three questions this morning. And the first is this, what is illumination? What is illumination? As we've been going through this series on the Holy Spirit, we've been considering the indwelling of the Spirit, and today the illumination of the Spirit, and next week the intercession of the Spirit. What is this illumination? I think the first thing to do is to be careful to distinguish between inspiration and Illumination. Inspiration is that God-breathed word, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, theopneustos, the out, the, the expiration, the breathing out of God's word, the breath of God, the power of God, the wind of God, the wind of the Spirit, for it is the Spirit who is the author of Scripture and the revealer of God. So the Holy Spirit brings into this dark world objective truth, something that is certain. It is the Word of God. It is true. Whether or not people believe it, it is still true. It is objective. It is definable. It has a meaning. And it comes once for all. It is the revelation of truth uh, of God that, that is made clear in the scriptures. That's inspiration. Or that's inspiration. Illumination is now having received the word, it is the Holy Spirit working in you to bring the truth, to bring this light to greater fullness in your own heart. It enlight, he enlightens our minds and hearts. For us to see what he's already given. 
He gives the Christians, he gives us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, our text says, verse, verse 17, the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better. All right? Inspiration. The spirit brings light into the world. Illumination. The spirit works inside of us so that we can see it and be changed by it. Let's put it this way, in the light of this entire chapter, the Spirit opens your eyes to what He's already given. That's, that's what the work of the Spirit is in illumination, to open your eyes to what He has already given. We've seen the great promises of God in the first part of Ephesians chapter 1. We, uh, it opens with praise to God for all of the rich blessings we have in Christ. Uh, we have been chosen. We have been predestined for adoption. We have the forgiveness of sins. We've been sealed with the Spirit. All of those wonderful things. We do not pray for additional blessings. We have all the blessings we need in Christ. The Scripture says that God has given us all spiritual blessings in Christ. So we pray that the Spirit would make these blessings deeply rooted in our hearts and change every, absolutely everything about us. We don't pray for new blessings, but to know the fullness of what we already have. And the Spirit goes on in, in, uh, in, in verse 18 to enlighten the eyes of our hearts, to see the fullness of what He's given to us. Now when the Bible uses this word heart, uh, it, it, it is referring to really the center of our existence, our being as humans. It includes our thinking. It includes our feeling. It includes our choosing. The heart is that uh, inner self, the center, what makes us who we are in particular. And the Puritans give us this gift they give us this gift and enlighten these in the eyes of our hearts. We're not just talking about understanding. We're talking about our affections. We're not just talking about the things that we know. Oh, yes, I can quote the catechism. We're talking about how those truths, the reality of God, change us and influence our affections. We are to have clear understanding and warm affections. Not just light. That is our understanding, um, but heat as well. Our hearts strangely warmed, as John Wesley said. Uh, not, and we're not to have warm af- affections or pursue warm affections apart from being rooted in God's Word. So our affections are stirred up with the truth of God's Word, His doctrine, His teaching. And so our joy and praise rooted in that glorious grace of God. Well, second question is, why do you need illumination? Why do you need it? Well, apart from the Spirit, no one receives the Bible as God's Word. Apart from the, 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 the working of the Spirit in our hearts, there's no one who will take this word and say, yep, I believe it, I, I'm going to live by it, I'm, I'm going to trust God. Apart from the Spirit, no one receives the truth of God's word. This is how Paul puts it, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, 
And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Paul says elsewhere, when Jews were reading the scripture, even in the day of Paul, there was a veil that lied over, lay over their face, over their hearts, so that they walked in darkness and didn't see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. So apart from the Spirit, no one uh, believes or receives God's Word. The problem is not God's Word. The problem is in our own minds and heart. Now, I'm going to use a kind of a big word, but I, 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 think, it's, I think it's good. <laughs> John Murray, um, um, John Murray uh, said, said this, that illumination, illumination is regeneration on uh, its noetic side. Regeneration, being born again on its noetic side. Uh, that word noetic uh, is derived from the Greek word nous for mind. And so illumination um, is, is the effects of being born again, being born anew, being born now as a child of God, and that slowly over time the Spirit works to change the way you think the way your mind works, the Spirit enlightens our minds. And you could put it this way, the Spirit is reversing day by day, week by week, the corruption that the fall fall of, of, of Adam brought upon our thinking. That's why there's illumination, because of the fall. Because everything went wrong, including the way we think. And so the illumination is God's working to correct the way we think, to bring about a proper perspective towards God and others in our lives. We need light in this illumination, not because the Word is dark, but because our hearts still have some darkness in them. We have, we have then, you'll see this on your outline here, that we have revelation with a big R. We have, a, we have the big revelation, which is God giving his truth to us. But we also have the small R revelation, which is, which is, which is the spirit working in us, uh, giving us wisdom. And that kind of revelation, the Holy Spirit shines his light into our hearts so that we see and understand the Bible as his personal word to you. He opens the eyes of your heart so that you see the Bible as coming directly to you. The Spirit writing it to you. And you get it. And we wish that this light would come more quickly. Maybe all at once to be zapped by God so that we understood everything about the Bible, everything about Him, and, and that we would then just have that instantaneous clarity. Well, it, it, but, but it's kind of like our sanctification. We wish that, we wish that would get on, on turbo speed as well. But here it is. We continue to make mistakes. We continue to sin. But God is changing us slowly and over time. And I think the reason for that is so that we would be developing trust in Him through the experience of seeing things and being changed by Him. Do you remember, do you remember uh, Peter's, uh, Peter's trance that is re- reported to us in Acts chapter 10? That Peter wa- was, was dozing up on the roof and, and he had a, a trance of, of this sheet that came down and it contained all kinds of unclean animals that Peter knew no Jew would, would no self-respecting Jew would eat. And then he hears this voice, uh, take and eat. 
and 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 he he says he he says uh, four breathtaking words. That's the Lord speaking him, telling him to eat this 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 unclean meat, and he says, "By no means, Lord." The Lord of heaven and earth can talk to me and I'm not going to do it because I know better. Twice more, there was this vision coming down and Peter resisted it. And he had already had the revelation from Jesus. We see it in the Gospel of, of Mark that Jesus made all things clean. So, so he, was, he, he didn't have the light And yet, can you imagine him looking back on that experience for the rest of his life and seeing how how absolutely, desperately he depended upon the Spirit of God to give him light and truth and direction and strength and courage. How dependent that slow period of of illumination that that would cause in him, that slow illumination would build his faith. So I say that, dear friends, don't be discouraged. You're not going as fast as you'd like. You're not understanding things as quickly as you'd like. But stay at it and the Spirit will continue to work. The Spirit is patient. The Spirit is loving. The Spirit is alert to you and alive to you when you crack open the Bible, when you come here to church, the Spirit is alert to you and your needs and is ministering to if you'll listen. Ministering to if you'll listen. A great question then for each of us is where then do we need more light? Maybe that's the biggest question of the day. Where do we need more light? Now, I want to go back to the Calvin's Institutes and just mention something about the first section and then the second section of that, of that work of, of Calvin's. That, that, uh, that uh, volume, those volumes uh, famously open up with this concept. Listen to this. Genuine wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts. Genuine wisdom consists almost entirely of two things. Knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves. You need both. True wisdom, knowing God, but also knowing ourselves. To truly know ourselves, we must know God. To truly know God, we must have a measure of self-knowledge. And we will never seek him in earnest until we begin to despair in ourselves. Give up. I need God. That's pretty well known. What is far less known is the way the second section of of, of the Institute's uh, opens up. It's often overlooked, and I think I can see why now that when we look at it. And, and that is the greatest block to our knowledge of God and our knowledge of ourselves is our own pride. The greatest block to the knowledge of God and our own selves is our own self-righteousness, which blocks us from knowing ourselves. Listen to this. This is a summary of, of, of Calvin there. We all tend to hypocrisy. Any hollow appearance of righteousness is quite enough to satisfy us instead of righteousness itself. We are greatly tainted with impurity as long as we are assessing limits of human corruption. Anything slightly less putrid makes us very pleased with ourselves. 
In other words, if we look around and see other sins in other people, we puff ourselves up and say, well, at least I'm not as putrid as that. And then we have less need for Christ. Because I'm not putrid. (laughs) So it's a very important question. Uh, Do you prefer your righteousness to Christ's? That's a fine question to ask. It's an important question to ask. We ask the Spirit to dismantle the fortress of our own self-righteousness that blocks us from seeing the glorious grace of God. And our confession, again, calls us to confess particular sins particularly. And just let's think about that for a few minutes in your own family. Do do you... um, find it difficult to apologize to people in your family? Parents, do you find it difficult to apologize to your children when you blow it? You just lose it. You just hope they'll forget about it. Kids, kids, do you find it difficult to confess to your brother, your sister, your parents when you mouth off to them in just really crass ways? Do you just forget about it? Hope everybody else will forget about it? Oh, God will forget about it? Or do you confess sin? Not depending on yourself, but depending on, on God's grace in Christ. Do you respond humbly when corrected? Do you admit when you're wrong? Do you confess, all of us, big people and little people alike, do you confess the sin of gossip, of running other people down? Of speaking with smug disdain about other people and measuring your righteousness as superior. In short, my dear friends, do you prefer your righteousness to the righteousness of Jesus? You cannot know yourself, you cannot know God without seeing how this problem of self-righteousness entangles your heart. So we pray, Holy Spirit, enlighten the eyes of our heart to know God truly and to know ourselves. Enlighten the eyes of our heart to know God truly and to know ourselves. The third question before us then is, is how do you get illumination? How do you get this understanding of ourselves and, and God? Well, again, you ask the Spirit to open your eyes to what he has already given you. You ask the Spirit to open up your eyes to what he has already given to you. Some people pray for new knowledge, some special sign that God loves me, some special communication from God beyond what the scripture says and sort of look for that and depend on that as if the cross of Jesus were not enough. And to them I ask, um, are you content with your blessings in Christ? Are you content with that? Others rest on the finished work of Christ. We've grasped what God has given to us in the Lord. But we imagine that we've already gotten all that God has for us. You see, this is the opposite problem. I'm looking for something new. And this person over here says, I understand it all. And I'm not really looking for anything else. I've got it all together. may have a good understanding of Scripture and yet have little desire to know Him better, to know Him more deeply, to know Him personally. We can become complacent then with little appetite for the things of God. We do not resemble that child at her mother's breast just 
just enjoying the milk. We don't know what that's like anymore. We ask the Spirit to enlighten the eyes of our heart that we would understand our need and understand the fullness of what He's provided for us in Jesus. We need to pray that He'd enlighten our eyes to know more deeply what we already know. Look, look at this. Do you, do, you learn, do you yearn to grasp more fully the Father's glory? This, this passage opens up. Uh, the, the, Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Do you want to know that glory more deeply? Do, do you want to be humble before Him? Do you want Him to carry you because He's so mighty and glorious? Do you want Him to amaze you? Pray this, Lord. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be deeply satisfied with the hope with which you called us. That, That immeasurably great power for those who believe. Do you see the power of God in your own life? Overcoming sin, granting you great great strength and stamina in a world that's just chaotic. Do you know the power of God? Do you see it in you? Pray for that. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better, to open your eyes, to enlarge your heart so that you know him, you know the hope to which he's called you and you know his power. Make this your prayer. Hunger to know the spirit personally as he answers your prayers. As he shows you something of Jesus in your weakness. In your weakness is where you find him. And secondly, beyond the prayers, then get very personal with the Spirit. Ask for what you need. Remember we said at the outset, determine to seek God personally. Pray for the Holy Spirit to teach you something fresh and true according to his intent on giving it and to your needs right now. Determine to seek God personally. Uh, uh, just a scripture I was reading this morning was just struck again. Though the Lord is high, though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. In other words, if you, if you are in such a mess right now, you don't think God will listen to you, your, your life is a failure, whatever's going on, if you are lowly, that's exactly when God is, has his ear bent towards you. Though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. Seek him. I want to give you a personal example of this. I'm not saying that things have to work in this way all the time, and, and it doesn't work this way for me all the time. But a, a, a while back, um, I was reading one of the Psalms, and, um, and, and actually one of the Proverbs in this, in this case, I was reading one of the Proverbs, and it just jumped off the page. And it was as if, as if the Spirit was saying to, to me, smiling down at me and saying, See, I wrote that just for you. I've been thinking about you all the time, waiting for you to see this in this new light. The Spirit's presence and these words that He inspired just jump off the page and they become living to you in ways that you maybe never saw before. That's what the Spirit does.
this is, this is the verse that I read. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The Spirit is showing us a link there between, uh, between um, the, the snares that grab a hold of us and our failure to trust Christ, to trust in the Lord. That's what he's showing us, first of all. That, that when you take your eyes and your heart off of the Lord and trust on something else, well, then you get caught in a snare. And that's, and that's a great and an important observation. But the Spirit working in your heart takes it uh, farther along than that. The Spirit uh, shows how you get snared. This is the illuminating work of the Spirit. Not just that, not just that you, the, the fear of other people lays a snare and you forgot to, and, and you forgot to be looking at, at, at the Lord. All that is true and wonderful and life-giving and all of that. But the Spirit takes it farther. How do you get, how do you get snared? How do you get snared? Many times, many times that, that snare of looking to what other people think creates great anxiety in us. And their thoughts, whether we perceive them properly or not, their thoughts will not leave us on stable ground. We become preoccupied with what people may think. And when that happens, we become liars. Think of Peter. He was intimidated by, by a little servant girl. And because, because he thought she was going to call him out as a friend of Jesus, he lied that he even knew it. Fear of people creates an impulse in our hearts to tell lies to God and to ourselves. It keeps you silent when you should speak. All, all of those things are evidence of that snare. That, that will keep me safe if somehow I just sort of don't, I'm just not honest with God or with myself or with other people. But then listen to the, 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 the blessings, though. Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You are safe. What a sense of, of joy and thanksgiving we have. We are safe. We might think of older people, on the other hand, who say, I don't care what they think. I don't care, I'll, I'll, I don't care what I look like. I'm tired. I'm done. Let the younger people deal with all the, all the things going on in the church, right? You've heard, I've heard older people talk that way. But what's missing? What's missing about that? They're certainly not trusting God. They're actually becoming a harder person. And so what, what, these, what these people who are casting off the fear of men in an inappropriate way, what's missing? Trusting the Lord. Lord, show me what it means to be safe so that I can love others more freely and more deeply. That's the question some of us older people need to ask. Show me what it means to be safe so that I can love others more freely and more openly. All of this to say, open the eyes of my heart, enlarge my heart that I might know you, my hope, and your, and my, and, and your power. May God grant us, each one here, a hunger to know the truth about God and the truth of, of ourselves, that we might glorify his name. Let us pray. Father, we pray that in these words this morning we would see something that would, hear something that would ignite in our hearts a desire for you, a desire to know you, a desire to follow you, 
to be honest with you and to love the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.